Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. It's time to go on the mat. The Cedar Valley's longest-running radio show devoted entirely to wrestling. Brought to you by Rolling Ford and the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum on 1650 The Fan. Welcome to On The Mat. I am Kyle Klingman of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum. Joined by wrestling salted nut roll Jason Bryant. Welcome, Jason. I was I was actually under the impression that you were going to go with the creme brulee reference because uh, you know Andy Hamilton, Shane Sparks, and I we had a bonding moment in Paris over creme brulee. I thought that was on a tee point. I should have thought of that, but I thought salted nut roll would have been a little more to your liking. I assumed you. Liked I mean, them. I was at the, was at the Minnesota State Fair yesterday. I, I did see plenty of deep fried salted nut rolls, even though I did not partake. Well. You're partaking in our show. You're our rotating co-host since we do not have Doug Van Gelder anymore. Of course, Jason Bryant of Matt Talk Online. We have a lot to thank him for that we get to listen to this great show on Matt Talk Online, his great podcast system. And you were overseas at the World Championships announcing for the entirety of the event. So you had a front row seat to all the great festivities that took place. Let's start out with... A number fifty-two to zero. Helen Maroulis absolutely destroys the competition. You were there to watch it live. Was it as impressive watching as live as it was online? Uh, it was. It was amazing because we use the term jump levels a lot in wrestling. And you know how hard is it for you to fathom that for somebody to win the Olympics and then jump another level? She's won three straight championships, two worlds and Olympics in three different weight classes and didn't give up a point this year. I mean, it was like, I mean, the only match, she did lose a match earlier this year when she bumped up three weight classes. She was up at like Allie Reagan's weight in her first tournament back since Rio. But, you know, when she's down to 58 kilos in Olympic weight, she skipped over 55, and she, she just looked impressive. I mean, that foot sweep was, uh, was shades of Matt Lackey, you know, from, from 2003. You know, yeah. the foot, step, a foot sweep heard around the world. Well, I think, I think Helen may have just replaced it because uh, what she did was... I mean, there is there is a significant gap between her and the rest of the field. And no, we did not see Kaori Icho, who that is her weight class, the four-time Olympic champion from Japan. Uh, not sure where she's at in the stage of her career. She's 32, 31, 32 years old. Helen, about to turn 26, is just getting better every day, which is, is really hard to, to really try to fathom because she was just had such a great performance in Rio last year. And then to come through and just just destroy everybody, it really, uh, it really ruined Africa's moment because uh, Marwa Omri and uh, – 
Odenayo Odekaroye were the first two uh, women from the, the continent of Africa to, to reach a gold medal final. And then, uh, you know, Helen just said, uh-uh, you, you're not going to make that history on me and just crushed her. We are on the mat with Jason Bryant of Matt Talk Online. We are recapping the world championships that just took place in Paris, France. The venue looked fantastic. You were there and you saw the layout. What did it look like to be a fan in that great atmosphere? You know, I was down on the floor, so I was actually fortunate enough to have a good spot of all formats, which is not always the case when you go to world championships. The arena itself, with if you take uh, out all the wrestling, you know, uh, with you, know, you put the bleachers fully out, it's probably about an eighteen thousand seat arena. So they have certain bleachers pushed back for for head tables and, and, and press tribune and stuff like that. So I'd say they took about four or five thousand out. Most of it was on one side. So I think the biggest crowd we did get was just a shade under six thousand. But uh, it, the, the facility was first class. The sound system was amazing. The security was super tight, which can be annoying at times, but at least you know what people who are not supposed to be there aren't going to be there. So that was one thing. Uh, the French Federation did a wonderful job in terms of uh, logistics. And, you know, we had a lot of checkpoints to go through. I mean, our, our host hotel was literally uh, a walk across maybe 50 meters. I don't, I mean, meters, the metric system, who knows, uh, from the back door of the hotel. So, Everything was comfortable, always kept us hydrated, had uh, good situations in terms of where to eat. And the, the, the arena was first class. And come 2024, that's where, when Paris is going to host the Olympics. That actually will not be the arena. They're going to build a brand new one next door to it between now and, and seven years from now. But uh, one of the best facilities I've been involved in in wrestling, uh, you know, Madison Square Garden is always going to be near the top. So, uh, you know, Carver Hawkeye. But uh, I'd say the Accor Hotels Arena in Paris was, was everything I think a wrestling fan could want. Again, tight security, and you know sometimes it got a little rigid with where you were supposed to sit. But uh, for the most part, uh, it was a, it was a professional arena, and they treated it as such. Was there a good buzz in the arena? You know, it's kind of always hard to tell because we're we're so used to what we expect as American fans. Like we're, we we center so much of our performance on on college fan bases and things of that nature. And there was a buzz because the, you know whenever the Iranians show up, they're going to be horns. There's going to be you know, people chanting and cheering. The DJs and the sound guys did a great job of getting the crowd pumped up. The French were, were great whenever there was a French wrestler on, whether it be an opening round match where they were going to get destroyed or, or coming through uh, the Repeshag or, or like Kumba La Rock in a bronze medal match on the women's side. Waving flags. I mean, they were just, just animated and getting after it. But there definitely was a good buildup, and United World Wrestling deserves some credit on being able to build up the Snyder Satellite thing as we finished out the entire tournament with those two meetings. And, you know, with social media, we had news wraps that we were doing. So uh, the buzz, is, it, it really varies by style because uh, we see the European countries a lot more favor, favorable to Greco, uh, which is something the Americans definitely did not do well in. And then uh, we, we see they, they root for their, their countrymen and women. And I think the Russians and the American fans in attendance really kind of set the pace the last two days. We are on the mat with Jason Bryant of MattTalkOnline.com. Stick around after Jason. Jason is our co-host for today. Stick around for Dan Gable, who was in Paris, France for the World Championships. And as we break down the World Championships with Jason, one of the storylines that didn't happen on the mat was when Jaden Cox wrestled. David Taylor sent out a tweet, maybe questioning his heart in a match. How quickly did that tweet get buzzing at uh, Paris and how much did that affect the outcome of what Jaden Cox was able to do in the bronze medal match? Well, I, I don't remember if I saw it right away. It came around about probably 8.30 in the morning uh, Eastern time, which is, you know, probably is right after the loss. So uh, we're in a break, and I think, you know, I, I remember seeing it, and I remember seeing it pop up on my timeline. 
And I'm like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And then, you know, a couple hours later, there's uh, Jaden Cox wrestling in the bronze match. And as soon as he won the bronze match, and I, I saw him from across the way, and he, he sits there and he stops in front of one of the TV cameras. And, the, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, he's responding right now. He is totally responding. I mean, it was just a gut feeling. I actually get on Twitter right away as in the middle of the tournament going, did anybody catch what he said saying to the TV? Anyone, anyone. And then there was a stream of basically a response, which we, so we heard in some of his post-match interviews to David. And then it, it's really interesting because it's, it, it, is it a balance where the athlete, you know, is it a competitive say, hey, you know, you should have done better. I'm, I'm not sick of my stomach. I, this makes, makes me sick. I'm like, it's really, it's, for a lot of people, it seemed out of character for David because he's always been a very respectable guy. But hey, let's, let's be honest, he's, he's a competitor too. And uh, I'm sure it's heartbreaking for him not to be there. And I don't know if that was the best way to handle it, but uh, it definitely got somebody fired up. It got a lot of fans fired up on both sides of the aisle when it comes to Penn State fans and non-Penn State fans. But uh, ultimately, we are Team USA, and these are guys in the national team. And, uh, you know, David Taylor was his training partner at the Olympics. So, uh, you know, maybe he knows that he can get the better of him in a room. He, he had the controversial finish. But um, I, I'm wondering if, if almost I, – I honestly, my personal feelings is I don't think that was the right reaction. But, uh, you know, I'm not part of David Taylor's inner circle of people, so I don't know exactly what he was thinking. I just – I thought it was a little uh, out of character for him. While you were watching the men's freestyle side of the competition – could you tell as it's unfolding that history was going to be made? No, actually, I actually thought just the opposite initially. When, you know, Logan Stieber goes out there and gets tacked, and then Zane Rutherford gets beat by, by an aging Russian that's representing uh, Bahrain, and I'm sitting there going, uh-oh, we needed those. And I mean, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, you get two, two guys that people think are, are young enough and coming, and Logan Stieber's a returning world champ, goes one and two. Granted, the two guys that he wrestled were phenomenal, and then, you know, Zane Rutherford, his first time out, uh, beats an American, uh, probably showed some freestyling experience on the world stage there by trying to go for a turn with, with a power half and some boots in. And, you know, against a veteran like Adam Batirov, who used to wrestle for the Russian Federation. So initially I thought those, when, I, when Rutherford lost and lost early and then the Russian comes through and knocks out uh, the, the ex-Russian, I'm like, well, there goes our shot at points there. And it wasn't until really the second day things that then, uh-oh, okay. There's a, and then the Russians start losing. And it could have been over earlier, but there was the mysterious phantom four points that happened uh, in two seconds at, at 86 kilos with, or it was Valiev, and it was like, are you kidding me? This is, or 97, yeah, one of the, weight, the upper weights with the Russian that shouldn't have won the match, won a match, and you end up coming back and taking bronze. So uh, it, it made for a better storyline when it came down to one point. But I honestly, at one point, with, with Stephen Rutherford losing right off that early, I'm like, uh-oh. This thing good, and then all of a sudden it started building when when Snyder got on a roll, and it, you know Gilman had such a great performance. I mean, it just it was an overall really balanced team effort. James Green, Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Snyder going day day two. It was like, well, these are the guys because it was a t- James Green had two tight matches to get to the finals. It was you know putting it together initially. No, like I said, it did, didn't look like it was going to happen right away, and then all of a sudden uh, you kind of see the shift. The Russians start losing. They get some help from Georgia. It was a pretty special day overall. Well, and let's set this up for those who did not follow the Men's Freestyle World Championships. It came down to the final match. Jordan Burroughs won his fifth World and Olympic Championship. It was actually his fourth world title. The United States men's team had six medals, two gold, two silver, two bronze. It came down to the very last match of the competition. It's tied between the United States and Russia. It's Kyle Snyder against Sadulayev in the finals. 
Sadulayev is the reigning three-time world and Olympic champion at 189, going against Snyder, reigning two-time world and Olympic champion at 213.5. Sadulayev moves up a weight class. They meet. The winner gets the additional point and wins the world championship, and it ends up being the United States that gets it. Snyder wins with a takedown with 30 seconds to go, wins 6-5. to five. When, when I explain all of that, it, it seems surreal, Jason, that it played out that way to win the first world championship in the United States history since 95. When you're there watching it, take us through the excitement of what it was like to see that get pulled off in such a dramatic fashion. Okay, so you know, team scoring, the way it works, is all placement points. So you really don't have that, that buildup like we do at the NCAA championship level. So uh, we have a rough estimate going into the finals of what everybody's got. You know, that a bronze medal match, the difference is, is eight points and six points. So oddly enough, the bronze medal matches get you more points than the gold medal matches which are the difference between 10 and 9. So it's plus 1 if you win the final, plus 2 if you win the bronze. So uh, Burroughs goes out, um, you know, gets behind early like he did in almost every single match, if not every match, and then comes back and jo- Jordan Burroughs doing Jordan Burroughs things, wins the gold, and then, okay, all right, up by 2. Then here comes the Russian with the bronze. Boom, there's tied. And now we got James Green against Frank Chimizo. A win here can ice it because that would, you know, if, at worst case the Russians could tie and the U.S. would win with most champs. So we get there, and then all of a sudden, Green loses to Chimizo. And then now the table's set, and then it's like, you know, people look at it. You could not have written this script any better if you were, I mean, it's almost an unbelievable type of script. It's like, yeah. oh, great, you know, the, the inspirational sports movie. Of course the American's going to beat the Russian and win the team title. That's just not realistic. Well, guess what, folks? It's realistic because it happened. I saw it. Now, yeah. my wife just my wife just got me an Apple Watch for my birthday right before I left. I celebrated my 38th birthday in Paris. So I've, I'm working on this thing. It's got a heart rate monitor on it. So right before the finals, I mean, we've got some buildup here. I hit it, and I was like, what is it? It's like, oh, wow, 121 beats per minute. With three seconds left in that match, I hit it again, like right after the takedown. And I'm like, I'm like at 148 beats. It was the craziest, craziest thing because... Even if you're, 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 I mean, you're trying to be unbiased as the PA announcer, and I was doing my best to give uh, every call right down the middle. If it was two for Sajulai, I'd give him the big pop. If it was two for Snyder, I'd give him the big pop. And it was, obviously, you're an American. You're rooting for the American. And it was just Rocky, five, Rocky four, man. It was like the 15th round. There's the, there's the, there's the, the, the punch, counter punch, boom, championship. You don't write stuff like that because it, it's unbelievable how it happens. And it was, I'm still like fired up about it right now. As we were talking about the World Championships and where this fits in in the scope of American history, I can't think of a better international moment that we've had. The U.S. Greco-Roman team winning the 2007 World Championships comes to mind, but in such a dramatic fashion, is this number one on the list of the most dramatic moment in U.S. history? Uh, recent history, because, I mean, dramatic, yeah, I think Helen beating, each, uh, beating Yoshida was, is definitely up there. Uh, 07 was dramatic. I was there in Baku when, when Greco won the world championship that year, and that was that was dramatic, and it didn't involve an American. It involved a Russian and a Cuban, and Cuba, Cuban, Cuba wins, we win the championship. Russia wins, we lose. So, uh, you know, very drastically different situations. I wasn't there in 95, and I don't want to put the recency bias on it because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the last 20, oddly enough, 22 years. It was the year I really started getting into wrestling was, was the last time that the U.S. won. I wasn't there. They had four champs in Atlanta. So it's really hard to say without, you know, I've only been to nine world championships. But in the events that I've been to, that right there, yes, I'd say that moment 
is clearly number one in terms of the most pressure, uh, the the biggest buildup, the the craziest finish. I think one of the, the I think Helen winning goal was was a was a slightly bigger moment because it was the Olympics. Yeah. It was something that had never been done, and she beat Superwoman. Those two moments are clear. I mean, yes, in this case there is a recency bias, but yeah. I've seen a lot of wrestling. I haven't seen any moments like those two ever in my life. We're on the mat with Jason Bryant of MattTalkOnline.com as we wind down. Tell us what it was like. You were going into a little bit about Rich Brender bringing everyone up onto the mat, but I saw some video with all of Team USA going nuts when Kyle Snyder won it. It had to be just complete euphoria and pandemonium down there. Everybody that had a – I mean, we got these credentials, and each one of our credentials has a flag. It says it's where you're from. So, like, the Flow Wrestling guys had their flag on there. Track Wrestling had – had the flag. For some reason, they gave Brian Hazard a Swiss flag. But anybody that was basically had a little little red, white, and blue flag, or was wearing a USA Wrestling shirt, or waving an American flag. I mean, it was like the buzz at the after party was was phenomenal. You walk in and you're seeing, I mean, you got Baumgartner with a giant smile, Gable with a giant smile, Mike DeRoe, Kerry McCoy, Kevin Jackson, Zeke Jones. I mean, we got parents, we got USA Wrestling leadership from like Bill Swink from Virginia. Everybody was just crazy happy Greco guys there, like Joe Rao, Nate Engel, his wife. I mean, it was just, I mean, so the photographers, it was one of the just, seriously, I mean, everything we were talking about was how awesome it was. And it was like, it really was unlike anything I'd ever experienced, especially when, you like you're talking about the post-match euphoria. Yeah, the, I think the hangover is still kind of trailing as we're, we're a couple days since, the, uh, since that Saturday night. All right, we've enjoyed having you on. Thanks for filling in and doing this, being a rotating co-host for us. We enjoy having you on. I, I wish I would have thought about the creme brulee a little bit earlier, but I, I'm still going with the salted nut roll. I think it fits you, Jason. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to come back from Greece as I'm heading to the Cadet World this weekend with some baklava. Yeah. Maybe we can. Uh, or <laughs> yeah. what, I don't even. I don't know. Is baklava even Greek? I don't, know. I don't know. But do you like salted nut rolls? Um, I mean, I've. I, I don't dislike them, okay. I guess. Um, you know, so it's definitely a step up above the Twinkie, that's for sure. But you like Pringles still, right? Oh, who doesn't like Pringles, man? It's like the greatest chip ever. Yeah, I, I think it's Doritos, nacho cheese Doritos. I think those uh, are the uh, sour, sour cream and onion or uh, salt <laughs> and vinegar Pringles, man. Give, uh, give me a big, a big diet Pepsi and a tube of those, and they're gone. Well, they cancel each other out. We'll have a whole segment on this at some point. We'll debate chips. But thanks for coming on and giving us your take. It was fun to relive it with you and get excited. Up next, we have 1972 Olympic champion. But more importantly for what just happened, 1971 world champion. He's the namesake of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum. Dan Gable is next on the mat. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. When all you want is sports, all you need is 1650 The Fan. We are back on the mat, 1650 The Fan. I am Kyle Klingman of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum. And it's always an honor when you get to have the namesake of your organization on the line with us, Dan Gable. 1971 world champion, 1972 Olympic champion. Heck, he has three statues throughout the state of Iowa. Sports Illustrated named him the top sports figure in the state of Iowa, and we have him on the line to break down the world championships in Paris, France. He was there for two days. The men's freestyle side, he got to see history being made. The first 
World Championship for the men's freestyle team since 1995. We had two gold, two silver, two bronze, and the United States beat Russia by one point. Dan Gable on the line with us. How are you, Dan? Hey, I'm doing real well. Thank you. And and when I say that, the United States has had high hopes in the past where they thought they could win world championships or be competitive. It didn't happen. What made this year different from years past? Well, we had some proven competitors in, in the uh, weight classes, uh, you know, and then we were able to uh, uh, come through in some situations where uh, maybe they weren't quite as proven. So, you know, it just, uh, you put together, I believe we had five world medals going in. Uh, I could be wrong there, but by that I mean on five people that were on the, uh, the, the squad with uh, uh, world medals. And... Uh, two, three, four, I believe four or five. Anyway, so anytime you have that type of quality uh, competitors that have been there before, you ch- and especially when you start looking at some of the consistency with, with uh, who's on that team and how many times they've been there and what they've done, like a Kyle Snyder who's, you know, every time he's been there, he's won the gold. And uh, you look at Jordan Burroughs, every time he's been there, except uh, a couple times, and he's been there, you know, many times, four, five, six, seven times, you know, that type of stuff. And he comes back with, with a lot of golds and maybe once in a while a different colored medal. But, but uh, you see that, and you, you just know we got a good team. And what it does for you is it helps the total team going in and it kind of puts people on notice and alert. And sometimes you win matches just on your reputation. And so we had what we call, we thought, a good, stable world team going in. Now, we had some guys that weren't there before as well. And it just so happens, you know, that helps them. But they actually came through a little bit. You know, Gilman got a, got a, a silver, and, you know, I think Rutherford didn't place, but that was his first world championship. So... You know, it's it's one of these things that uh, uh, you just can see it. And, you know, I really wasn't going to go, but all of a sudden I said, you know, it, it, it looks to be like history. And history, when you make history, you know, I love to be a part of that. But more than that, you know, I, even if you watch it. And so, you know, I went there to Paris, and, and it came right down to the final match. And it came right down to the final 20 seconds. And it came down to the two most talked about wrestlers, pretty much, as far as, you know, at least one side, the Russian, who he kind of he doesn't really shoot his mouth off, but he, he does talk quite a bit on social media. And he went up a big weight class, and so there it was, right in front of us. And we got to witness it right down to the last 20 seconds. And, of course, Kyle Snyder uh, won that match. So that gave the U.S. that extra point. And... We walked away with the team championship as well. Where were you sitting for all of that? Were you in the stands? What was your proximity to everything? Uh, I was pretty much on the 50-yard line, but high. Uh, there wasn't, you know, on one. Pretty much everybody sat on one side, and then like the all the diplomats and the people that are like uh, in charge of wrestling were on the other side, and so we had, you know, we had four or five thousand people on one side. I think for the finals, which isn't too bad. Paris isn't really a big France isn't really a big wrestling country, even though they do have quite a bit of history administratively, 
And, uh, you know, they've had some good guys. But, uh, no, I was usually at the top. I was sitting with Mike DeRoe. Uh, you know, he's uh, he coaches almost every year somebody at the uh, at the senior world level. He's been involved with the girls uh, wrestling as well, which, you know, we ended up being, you know, the, you know we got Bill Zadig was the coach of the world team there and uh, the freestyle team, and he's former Hawkeye national champ, world champion. And, of course, Terry Steiner's the coach of the girls, the women's team, and they got second in the world behind Japan, who was just, you know, Japan's been winning every year. And we, we didn't do good in the Greco-Roman, which, you know, we need to uh, change, uh, make some changes there attitude-wise. And even though their attitude's good, they just don't understand really what they're missing because they can talk about it and they actually say what they're missing, but actually implementing and performing and doing on a daily basis so you can actually do it in a match is what they need to do. So got a little ways to go there yet. We are on the mat with Dan Gable, 1971 world champion and 1972 Olympic champion. He was born and raised right here in Waterloo, Iowa, namesake of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum. And the emotions, you really captured it when you were recounting what happened between the Russian and the American and Snyder wins it at the end. But do you get the same vibe as you would have been when you were coaching athletes or watching a Hawkeye wrestler? Were you losing your mind, and did your heart rate go up when you were watching that final match? Oh, uh, I flew all the way to Paris to see that. <laughs> but how did you feel? Were you the, the Dan Gable 97 where you're, you're going nuts, or were you pretty I'm calm? Dan Gable, even though I'm not Dan Gable, if, if you want to read my book. But, but <laughs> the bottom line... In, in the one that you authored as well, but but the bottom line is no, uh, it, it um, it's you can watch it on TV, which you could, NBC. You could watch it on internet, which you could. Uh, you can watch it on uh, track wrestling, but you know it's it's not like being there. You got to feel it, and the only way you can feel it is that when you're in the same arena and you watch what is t- is going on and and the emotion. And you know, if you don't, and if you know the history, that helps a lot too. You know, the one guy that really didn't come through that was, uh, you know, we could have outright won the the thing was Logan Steber, who you know who won the worlds last year during the Olympic year when we were down to six weight classes, and we had the weight classes uh, for a world championship that year, and he won the world championships last year, and he didn't score any points for us, and it was just not the same Logan Steber that that I've seen before wrestle who's really good offensively who's really tough-minded who's not as good defensively and so people score a lot of points on him but he stays right in there wears him down and 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 gets to him where he basically didn't have the energy didn't have the look like the uh the force that he needed for some reason you know and I looked into it a little bit I think you know maybe there's a couple answers but, uh, you know, it just shows that, you know, we maybe could have done a little better even. You know, even even Gilman. Gilman, I mean, his final match, I mean, he was in on all the winning moves, but he got stopped on those moves. And you could say, well, the guy is that much better. Ah, you can say that. And the guy was absolutely very good from Japan. But his skill and technique in on those positions I could see where he can improve there and actually win those positions instead of ending up 
in stalemates kind of on on the on the mat and, and with the leg and which I think it might, might have happened eight or nine times scoring opportunities where he just let him sl- slide away because of just little teeny skills that you work on so you know we, we got a lot of good kids with attitudes that I think they'll they'll take on that learning situation I don't think Steber's gonna just sit back and and say, well, I'm not that very good. Because, you know, he got 10-pointed, I think, uh, by the Russian. Uh, you, know, that's a, you know, you don't want to get tech-falled out there. And, and he's, he's usually going 14, 13 matches points with the Russian, and he comes out on top. Well, you know, he got 10-0 or 10-2 or, or 12-2 or whatever it is. The tech ball is 10 at that level. But So there's some reasons, and that's where Bill Zadik and the coaching staff, they can come back. Because the Russians aren't real happy right now. He just lost for the first time at the junior world level in many, many years, and they just lost by one point. They won that. So, uh, I mean, they lost by one point to America. And then they lost at the senior level by one point. I mean, they're still tough, and they're right in there, but I don't think they had any champions in any of the three weight cl- any of the three styles, men's, women's, and Greco and freestyle, but they had a lot of points, and they, they actually, I still think they won the team championship in Greco, but and Japan won it in... Uh, and women's freestyle, and that's where the Olympics are going. So, uh, a lot of effort being taken place with uh, in Japan right now, continuing on with the female wrestling domination and trying to bring their males up. So, because of the Tokyo Olympics in 2020, but you know, I think the bottom line is people are on notice right now, and you know what, the United States actually should be on notice too. And by that, I mean. We don't want this to happen just once every 25 years. Uh, we want it to happen every year, or you know, we want to be in the thick of things every year. And so we got to we got to take this thing in perspective. We can go on a, a celebration tour if they want to call it that and celebrate. But you know what? That day they celebrate, they better come right off the wrestling room from hard training to go to a celebration. Uh, otherwise you know what, we're not going to be there, and we're going to celebrate once every 25 years. So that's kind of how I look at it. We're on the mat with Dan Gable, 1972 Olympic champion and 1971 world champion. He was in Paris, France for the world championships, which the United States won by a point over Russia. You mentioned Thomas Gilman, who had a silver medal at 125 and a half pounds. That's relevant for a lot of reasons, especially in the state of Iowa. We've had five native-born Iowans. You are among that group that have won a medal at the World Championships. What does that do for the state of Iowa? What does that do for the University of Iowa to elevate wrestling in this state? Well, you know, we're not a professional, even though they're going to start another pro league pretty soon, but they haven't really went very well. The closest thing we have is the MMA, and, you know, that's a lot of boxing and a lot of other, uh, you know, styles. So uh, that's really, and that's a complete different um, uh, system. So our toughest and highest level of wrestling, you know, is is Olympic wrestling. And, uh, and then in the Elan Olympics year, the World Championship, and to, and to get another medal, which, you know, we like to get medals every year, and so we've been kind of void. But a native Iowan, uh, Thomas Gilman, is especially good uh, because, you know, he was pretty much on his way to win two national titles in college and ended up a little short, so this can give him a little bit of a boost uh, for the future and kind of make up, not make up, he can't make up, but just kind of 
really show that where you should be. And I think he should realize that he's not really a guy that should be standing on uh, second-place podiums too often. Uh, just with the, his ability and his attitude, he just you know got to get a little bit better. And is it just because he's you know because he's maybe scientifically or hereditary? He, he, is, can he get better that way? No, maybe not there. He maybe he's doing all he can there. But he's definitely got a lot to learn about the sport, about scoring on top, about scoring on on uh, uh, goal behinds when people come in on him instead of hanging out in the front a little bit and getting these front headlocks, about finishing the single leg uh, by not just like uh, trying to drive the guy out of bounds, going to the finish, getting his hips in, and cutting that corner. Don't and he should, you know he's, I'm, I'm just saying a lot of these technical things that I see that he can get better on and grabbing a leg and pulling it to him, uh, which is not so good uh, because there's all the weight that's coming on him and that's one of the reasons why he ended up on his belly five and six times he was trying to weight lift a little bit instead of wrestling in wrestling you don't weight lift you just uh stay away from that weight and execute so the bottom line is uh he can get a lot better but that weight class got a lot of good guys in and in, in america and that's what's important uh, i just talked to a russian the other day and this russian told me that uh, well, the difference between United States in wrestling and Russia in wrestling is, yeah, you guys do have a good guy in a weight class. So you go to a tournament, and there's 22 guys in a in a tournament, and there's you got one really good guy in there. You got Jordan Burroughs or something, and then and then and then the other ones aren't so good. And in Russia, when you go in and do that tournament, and there's 22 guys. He said all 22 are good. Now, you know, we could argue about that a little bit. But I just listened to him. I thought it was good. I liked what he said. And I think what we have to take this in perspective, this win. And, you know, we won a championship. But, you know, there's going to be another one the following year. Then another one the following year. And then you got the Olympic year. So, you know, if we win all three years and win the Olympics, then I think we're on our way. Or even if we're in the thick of things. But all of a sudden we drop off and then we're not listening. We're not moving forward. So I think what we need is a little more depth. Uh, but it, it's nice to have those individuals that can that can uh, step up and separate themselves. But when you're training, when you know there's some tough guys out there, and no matter where they're from, just to make the team. I mean, Gilman has to had to work really hard to make the team. But for me, it was like my my motivation was like most of the overseas, the Russians and the Iranians, and and there's a Japanese in my weight that was really good. And so that was my motivation, and, and you know and that made me drive and work harder. And so for a lot of these guys who really aren't officially on the team every year because their mind, they have to beat some people out, they still got to get a lot better. I mean, I had to get a lot better just to, to make sure that I could win at that level. But a lot of people have to get a lot better just to make the team. And that's uh, a step where I think Gilman's at right now. He's, um, he's separated himself a little bit by getting that silver medal. But that silver medal, you know, he has to be able to go in and be able to qualify to get the gold again, and uh, so he's he's got to be he's got to be better wrestler uh, by, by the time he uh, steps on the mat the next time. We're on the mat with Dan Gable. Let's just go a hypothetical situation and and have you tell me who would win between these two silver medalists. They both won a silver at one twenty-five and a half. Thomas Gilman against Brad Penrith in his prime. Who wins in that matchup? Oh. You know, they 
um, are different weights. No, they're the same. One twenty-five and a half. That's when they both won their silver. Uh. So that's why it's equal. You know, right now, I would say that that Penrith got an edge on his scoring ability right now. He can shoot right. He can shoot left. He can under. He can high crotch right. He can high crotch left. Uh, I think his scoring ability uh, is maybe a little. More right now, and but Gilman. Ah, wait a minute, Penrith's really strong too. <laughs> exactly, yeah, he's really strong. So you know that would actually be a pretty good match. Uh, pretty good match, and since they both got silvers, yeah, it's hard to say. But the one thing that we can prove is in the future, because. Penrith ended up with the silver medal. And if Gilman ends up with the silver medal, then I'm going to call it draw. All right. But if Gilman goes and goes and wins that gold medal, then he's got it all over Penrith. So he's got a chance to prove it in terms of actual competition, and I don't have to sit here and tell you who's going to win that match. <laughs> all right. We've got to so, close out this segment, but we're going to be back with more Dan Gable on the mat next. Log on and listen online at 1650thefan.com, the online home of 1650 The Fan. We are back on the mat, 1650 The Fan. I am Kyle Klingman of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Dan Gable Museum. Along with the namesake of that museum, Dan Gable, he was a 1971 world champion, 1972 Olympic champion, didn't surrender a point. In that 1972 Olympic Games, let's talk more hypotheticals. We talked Penrith versus Gilman. Let's just do a hypothetical. I don't even know if you followed the McGregor-Mayweather fight. It was a big fight that happened while you were at the World Championships. McGregor being the mixed martial artist, Mayweather at 40 as the boxer. Let's just put a hypothetical for you. Let's say you're 40 years old and the best judo player at age 29 says, I want to challenge Dan Gable to a wrestling match. He's at the peak of his game. Would that judo player beat Dan Gable at the age of 40? Absolutely not. At 40, I was still winning world titles. I could have. But, but the thing is, you're, you're, you've hit it right there. There's, there's two complete different martial arts. And for me, I don't know whether uh, McGregor, I don't know whether May whether actually let him go nine rounds or what, but that guy must be one tough dude if he can go ten rounds. You know, I just, you know, do you know I had a piece of that 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 fight? You know that. What What do you mean you had a piece of that fight? Well, they called me, uh, the the manager for uh, for uh, Conor McGregor called me from Ireland. Oh yeah. Oh, he texted me, and he asked me a few questions, and. Uh, you know, uh, I just kind of let him actually, he just, want, he, he, for some reason, he actually follows me in my training methods and my tapes and all that stuff. The manager, his coach did, and he wanted to be interviewed by, or and it, by, uh, he wanted to be, uh, somebody wanted to interview him. I think it was uh, the ESPN guy. Uh 
anyway, Wright Thompson, you know yeah, that guy's yeah, name, Wright right? Thompson, sure. Yeah, so he just didn't know who he, he just wanted some credibility, so he wanted me to verify because he knew he did an article on me. And so I, I actually verified him that he was a great guy, and he did it, he went in and did a, a, a great article. But, but more than that, you know, he, he, he didn't ask me for any tips or anything because it's a whole different ball game, you know. Uh, one guy did call me and ask me about what, how I would, if I was McGregor, if I was not a boxer like Mayweather, how would I fight him? You know, and I just said this, the only way, it's kind of like Americans and Russians. You know, it's, 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 it's very, very amazing how they both think alike in some ways, and they both analyze themselves. And the Russians don't want it to be close coming down to the final minute. They don't want it to be because they know it's the American advantage. And in both cases, we won, you know, against top-notch Russians. So, you know, it's like uh, I was actually sitting next to a Ukrainian, uh, and he was telling me the whole time during matches, and there, everything he was saying, I looked at him and I said, wow, do I have you guys pegged? I mean, you're telling mm-hmm. me everything that I think about you, and it's an advantage for me as a coach in coaching my athlete. You know, they were just talking about conditioning, and they were talking about uh, having to put people away early, and they were talking about uh, uh, the motion of, of American wrestlers and, and, you know, that type of stuff. And, and it's all in their head. And just even in the final match, believe it or not, there's only 30 seconds left in, a, in between periods. You get a break of 30 seconds to get coached, to get dried down. The tactics that the Russian used to get over a minute for rest was unbelievable. Huh. You would have had to watch it to, to witness it. I watched it. I witnessed it. It was a perfect scenario. And I'm not so sure the Russian, the, the, the officials were also, that was like a tactic that they could use to help maybe recover uh, the Russian a little bit to be able to get through that last period. But, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, a tweet that I heard uh, by the Russian with Snyder. He actually gave him a lot of credit. So you usually don't hear that too much. And, but, but he didn't, like, not want to take the challenge for the future. And he said, you got me this time. But, you know, what? I've heard that before. But I really saw the pain in the Russian's face after the match. And it was, it was a lot of pride in that match for team championships because we just won the junior worlds by one point and now we won the senior worlds by one point and we got the cadet worlds coming up this week so yeah. i'm not sure what's going on there but uh, that's a lot of pride for the united states wrestling in in one year and it's a lot of downers for the, US, uh, the soviet union or i should say excuse me in russia but russia actually i don't believe won a, a world title they individually didn't. in, in yeah. any of them so that, that's not. pretty amazing but anyway, so what um, What else are you talking about? Well, I want to talk about this. We're on the mat with Dan Gable, 1972 Olympic gold medalist. I want to talk about United World Wrestling, which is the governing body for international wrestling known as FILA. FILA was as corrupt as they get. Do we still have corruption with UWW? You said do we? Yes. Well, you can't change overnight. And you know what? You'll never get to the point that there isn't some corruption, but you've got to get it to where it's under control. I think it's getting more under control, uh, even though, uh, 
you're not going to get, even in committees in America, even on, on American situations, you just got a lot of people thinking a lot of different ways. And anytime you have that, there's people wanting to go their own way, and that's just the way it is. But but in, in Olympic wrestling or in Olympic competition, it's always the country that wants to win or the individual, and, and, and what can we do? And just like that extra 35 seconds, he got a rest time. You know, th- there's ways of doing things uh, between the officials, between the corner man. Uh, you know, you just, you, you, you know, you learn those things. And we're not ever going to get away, but we've got to continue to work on it to make it so it, it's workable. And our sport always needs a little bit of tweak to make it more exciting, to make it more simplicity from an understanding point of view and all those kind of things. So, you know, I, actually, I think that, I think that um, that brings up to me that second book I did on a Wrestling Life too with you, Kyle. And I think that right away in, in, in the beginning when we had those um, uh, Gable-trained and introduction uh, principles, uh, I think that's what it's all about. You know, and, and, and you can read each one of them, you can understand each one of them, but that book kind of tells you the story of success. And, and, and I think, actually, UWW needs to read that because sometimes they make things so complicated that it's difficult to understand, or they make it so complicated that, that they can just go ahead and, and, um, and actually cheat, if you want to use the word cheat. Yeah. And there, there's no way in heck that that should be a part of, uh, I mean, close calls are, are close calls, and they go either way. But when it's an outright, and you're taking something away from somebody, that should not happen in sport or in any other business as well. So I think that um, that book will kind of tell you the, uh, uh, the story about uh, what takes place. But you know what? We're not as bad as we used to be. And we're heading in the right direction. We just got to keep heading in the right direction. Just like everything in life, if you don't step up every day and do the right thing, uh, then the culture stays the same. If it's bad, it's bad. But if you want to make it good, you got to change it a little bit for the better, 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 better. And over time, it'll be better. It won't change in one year or two years. It changes, but slowly if you do the right thing. Well, and one, of the, one of those changes is that for the world championships, we now have 10 weight classes going into 2018. That seems like a very big positive for the sport. That's a very big positive, but, you know, what happens in the Olympic year? But you know what? If you don't go that route, you'll never have a chance. So if you go that route and you keep being good and doing great things for, for your sport, all of a sudden they change the rules. So people say, well, the 220 is already set. No, you know it's not set because we already got rules that will be changed by, by next year. So changes happen. And the only way good changes happen is if you go ahead and start working towards the ability to make the changes. And that means more authority. And so we need that, and we have to have that, and we have to have the belief of other people at higher levels than we are that can make those changes. And they can see that what we're doing is really valuable and uh yeah we don't want to have 30 weight classes go down to 18 for the olympics and that's what's going to happen right now and everybody says well that's just going to happen well you know what we don't we we don't know for sure that's going to happen because some guy of authority may step up and say wow this is pretty this is pretty good we need to make this change right now what would you have done sometime Hey, what would you have done if there were six weight classes and you had to go down? Would you go 143 or 163? 
didn't matter. It didn't, I could win either, either one of them. Well, I want to know what you would have decided, though. I probably would have wrestled both. <laughs> you can't do that. Well, I don't know if you can or can't. I'm saying you're going 143. You can wrestle freestyle and Greco. You could have done both that way, but I'm yeah, saying so you, in freestyle. Just, why don't you, you know, I don't think I could have gone any lower than 43, but I could probably make 43, make 42 in college. Yeah. So, but I, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? Well, I, I do. It's just an interesting topic. I already topic. told you the answer. I can win both. Yeah, okay. So I'm saying you're, you would go 143. You're saying you'd win both. So we'll never know. You're still a gold medalist at 149 and a half. Actually, if you figure it out, it's 149.9. But 149.9, okay. That's okay. It's 68 kilos. That's actually, in reality, is 68 kilos. 68 kilos. Dan Gable, 1972 Olympic champion at 68 kilograms, is on the mat with us as we look forward to what's coming up. There is going to be a great event in Iowa City. The World Cup is going to be in Iowa City, Iowa. How do we make sure that's packed like the Olympic trials was Well, we've got to first of all figure out how to get the Iranians in. They did not place in the top that's eight. That's right. So they're not one of the automatic qualifiers, top eight teams. And they usually bring a 1,000 people with them, and they're screaming and yelling, and they have a, usually have a chance to win. And they got ninth. For some reason, They I guess they had a new team or something. like I don't know what their excuses were. But at the same time, they're one of the top three wrestling countries year in and year out, and you don't have a World Cup without them. But... You know, that's the way it is, and we'll see what happens. I think for, to make uh, to give Iowa fans an, a really good understanding of, of who the Iranian fans are uh, would, be, would be a lot of fun right there in Carver because they, they make a lot of noise, and uh, uh, we would like them to uh, be there. But the bottom line is, uh, hey, right now it's the USA and it's Russia. I mean, one point separated the junior world. One point separated the senior world. We're going to see what happens in the cadet world. And we want to see more of USA and Russia in wrestling because that, those are unbelievable matches. And you know what? Uh, we, got, we, can, we can look forward to that right there in Carver Hawkeye Arena, Arena in April of 2018. Did you, did you sign any autographs when you are in Paris over at the World Championships? Oh, yeah. Did well, you? Yeah. Just a, a lot of foreigners, or are they more domestic? Uh, everybody's the same to me. Yeah, well, that's good. I like that. I like that. It was So was it uh, well worth the time to be over there and witness hey, history? I was in a daze. I didn't get any sleep. I was. I thought I was drugged. I might have been. <laughs> but no, I was there. I saw it. I didn't, you know, I, I, I'm back home now. I'm recovering. Uh, you know, I'm getting up there, but, you know, it's, I probably don't want travel alone again, but, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's well worth the trip. Like I said, it's nothing like being there and smelling it and seeing it. And so I um, feel real good about what I saw. Gave me a good update. All right. We've been on the mat with Dan Gable. He's the namesake of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Dan Gable Museum. Thanks for spending two segments with us, Dan. We appreciate the time, as always. Yeah, hey, we got to get that uh, museum renovated. So can we get some people to step up and help out a little bit? I hope so. I appreciate the last minute here. Just a, a plug for that. We are going through a renovation, so anyone that wants to get involved, uh, call us, and we will get you invested. So we want to get that bigger and better than what it is right now and, and make it happen. So appreciate the plug on that, Dan. Yeah, thank you. All right, that was Dan Gable, 1972 Olympic champion and namesake of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Dan Gable Museum. Just to recap, 
We just had history. The United States men's freestyle team won the world championship for the first time since 1995. They won it by a point. Came down to the last match. It was tied. Kyle Snyder, two-time world and Olympic champion. He's only 21 years old. He won the final match. That match gave him one point, and that was the deciding point for the United States to win the Freestyle World Championships. It was a great moment. If you have a chance, Google Kyle Snyder. You can relive it all. We have two legends in the sport right now in Jordan Burroughs and Kyle Snyder. We had a legend on the program today in Dan Gable. He was on two segments. Thanks to Jason Bryant of MattTalkOnline.com for being our guest co-host. I'm Kyle Klingman. You've been listening to On the Mat on 1650 The Fan. You've been listening to On the Mat, the Cedar Valley's longest-running radio show devoted entirely to wrestling. Brought to you by Roland Ford and the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Dan Gable Museum on 1650 The Fan. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.